0: Hello, and welcome to the Mythological Africans podcast, where we read and talk about the mythology, folklore, and culture of different African peoples. I am your host, Helen Munday. Episodes of this podcast come from live recordings of the Mythological Africans Twitter Space Storytime Sessions, public talks, as well as from episodes of the Mythological Africans Deep Dive series, which you can watch on YouTube. This episode, we are going to be talking about sexualities and sexual practices of African peoples. We'll start with some definitions. So we will define sexuality and sexual practices, and then we'll take a closer look at the various sexualities and sexual practices that exist amongst people on the African continent. This will include a focus on queer sexuality and sexual practices, as well as heterosexual practices. And then we will end with some recommended reading. And this is the first part in a series that will continue. So after this uh, overview of what, sexualities and sexual practices exist, we will continue in a couple more episodes with a focus on particular people and their sexual practices. So what do we mean when we talk about sexuality? I really like this definition by Oliver Phillips in his paper, Teaching Gender, Sexuality, and the Law in Southern Africa. He defines sexuality as a wide range of anatomical acts and physical behaviors involving one, two, or more people. Sexuality can be related to emotional expressions of love, intimacy, and desire that can take on an infinite variety of forms. Sexuality is also implicated in the reproduction of social structures and markers through rules and regulations that permit or prohibit specific relations or acts. And I like this definition because it includes several very important components. First being that sexuality involves anatomical acts, so acts involving the body, uh, physical behaviors, and it could involve one person, two or more people. But sexuality also has an emotional component to it, and this involves expressions of love, intimacy, and desire. And these can take an infinite variety of forms. but beyond the, the personal, intimate aspect of sexuality, it has a wider social um, aspect to it, a wider social component because it has uh, implications for social structures and markers, so how societies and communities are organized, as well as rules and regulations that prohibit or permit certain acts. And this, this, this uh, definition I really like because it has um, really, really strong implications for the things that we will see subsequently be about what sexuality means for individuals for communities and for the wider society in the african context shifting our attention now to defined sexual practices we mean the possibilities available for both the objects and the aims of sexual attraction and when we talk about the objects we're referring to the person or the thing one is sexually attracted to and when we talk about the aims we're referring to the acts that one wants to perform with the person or the thing that one has a sexual affinity for. And included in the idea of sexual practices is that depending on the social context you're looking at, there are norms and deviations in object and age. So there are things and persons that one... uh, it could be sexually attracted to, and that would be considered normal. And there are things and objects that one would be sexually attracted to, and that would be considered uh, a deviation. Uh, there, are, there are acts that one would want to perform either with another person or with a uh, thing, an object, which would be considered normal. And there are acts which would be considered deviations. And these are highly, highly um, contextual. So depending on the society depending on the era in history, so there are things in the past which were normal, Um, but which now will be considered deviations. And there are things that uh, occur now, which are normal, but which in the past would be considered deviations. But all of these fall under the umbrella of sexual practice. So speaking about um, sexual practices, there are a variety of sexual practices out there. And in this graphic is just, you know, the different contexts and practices that can happen. Um, And you see uh, uh, highlighted cyber sex, and that's because we're looking at the modern context. If we're looking at an African society hundred years ago, cyber sex will mean, you know, something completely meaningless. But there were uh, uh, African societies back in the day which used um, 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 what we would consider sex toys now. So that's not too far out of the the ordinary for certain African societies. Um, But practices involve, you know, penetration, foreplay, fetishes. These are all things that happen within the context of sex and sexual practices. And this is just an overview of what the possibilities are. So there are a variety of sexual practices Some of them normal, some of them deviant, and we'll get to see which ones applied in the African context. Having defined sexuality and sexual practices, let's spend some time thinking about what these words mean in the African context. The average person on the African continent today views sexuality and sexual practices through the lens of either Christian or Muslim ideology. What this means is that, ideally, sexuality is heterosexual, that is between a man and a woman, and within the context of marriage, so either a monogamous or a polygamous marriage. This very heteronormative view is very widespread, and this is mostly due to the impact of Islamic conquests in the past, as well as colonialism. And during these times, the values of the uh, Islam, the religion and Christianity were imposed on the more traditional values um, espoused by African people. What we will find however, that in traditional African communities, sexuality and sexual practices were varied and very, very different from what we see now in in our communities. There was queer and heterosexual um, practices These practices were known and named. There was a broad range of practices, expressions and configurations for sexuality. Some of them were sanctioned, some of them were not sanctioned, so there were norms and there were deviations. They were practiced openly or discreetly, even if they were sanctioned or unsanctioned. And there usually was a spiritual component to sexuality and sexual practices. The next couple of slides will focus on culture-specific definitions of queer sexual practices and concepts from different African peoples. Now, keep in mind that this is an introductory and overview episode, so we'll have subsequent episodes which focus on particular people, their worldviews, and the sexualities and sexual practices which obtain within these worldviews. So we start with the Ovambo people who are found in Namibia, and among the Ovambo, there is a Schengi, which translates to "he who is approached from behind," referring to gay sexual relationships. Amongst the Bafia people who are found in Cameroon, Jigeleketon uh, refers to reciprocal anal intercourse, again referring to gay sexual intercourse. Amongst the Fon people who are found in Benin, Gadlo refers to homosexuality. Meanwhile, amongst the Hausa people who are found across most of Western Africa, Kifi uh, refers to lesbianism. Amongst the Herero people who are found in Namibia, Botswana, and Angola, uh, Upanga refers to erotic friendships, which can be between men or between women. Amongst the Meru people who are found in Kenya, Mogawe are shamans priests who will take partners from their own sex. So this refers to that spiritual component that will exist amongst queer sexuality in Africa, but also across the world. Among the Nama people who are found in Namibia, Ohuru refers to mutual masturbation, so people giving each other sexual pleasure by masturbation. But there is also Goe Ugu, which refers to tributism, so this would be grinding and rubbing between two women. Among the Nzema, who are akan people found in Ghana and Ivory Coast, there is a concept of agiale, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Which are friendship marriages, which, um, in which, from what I understand, sex, um, is not allowed. So that's very interesting too. Um, Amongst the Ndonga people who are found in Angola, we have Eshenga who are gender-mixing male shamans, but also amongst the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda or the Rwanda-speaking peoples, you have the Iki Hindu and Iki Maze or Mirundi who are intersex priests, so priests who have um, both male and female sexual organs. So it goes on and on and on and you have these different people who um have different ways to refer to their sexual practices their queer sexual practices whether it be between um two men or between two women um or it be amongst people who are intersex uh we have different ways in which these these individuals and practices are referred to. So the point of this exercise is really to highlight the fact that um, queerness is not something that was brought to the African continent by anybody else. African peoples form part of the wider human population. So. Queerness is something that is inherent to African people, and we can see that by the fact that there are culture-specific terms used to refer to individuals and concepts and practices. But outside of queerness, there are also a variety of heterosexual practices which exist on the African continent, which um, in, the, in the, the, the worldview of Christianity or Islam, were considered um, not okay. Were considered deviations, and so they too were suppressed. And what is interesting about these heterosexual practices is that they they comprise a wide variety of of activities which were were started at at puberty. So essentially, when you you as a woman, if you when you started menstruating or when you were close to your your menarch, your first menses, you would get introduced to these ideas. Um, and they usually took the form of of organised trainings whether you're a man or a woman organised trainings where you were taught you were given sexual education um, and you were taught in the the ways of your people as far as sexual etiquette is concerned and this had focus on pleasure so your pleasure as a woman your pleasure as a man but also comprised aspects of reproduction and contraception so the women were taught ways to prevent pregnancy so something that is very prevalent amongst most African peoples is the concept of the, the sexual sexuality training schools. And um, this is, this is uh, an institution which would teach young men and young women um, how to be adult sexual beings. And keeping in mind that what was considered adult back in the day is not what is considered adult. in in the world that we live in today. So most young people were eligible, most young women were eligible for marriage once they started menstruating. So it could start at a very young age um, when you put it in the context of our modern times but the purpose of these schools was one to train you to understand your body and how it worked but also how to be a good husband or how to be a good wife how to get pleasure as a husband and also how to get pleasure as a wife um, how to prevent pregnancy how to get pregnant, you know, plants that would ensure facility and things like that. But these were also schools that trained you in the norms and the values of your people. And that is what I find so interesting about these institutions. And I have some of them listed here. So the Panguima, which is found among the Mende, Susu, Vai, and other people in Guinea, Syria, Leone, and Liberia. The Isong, which is found among the Ibiobiu and Ikoi people in Nigeria. The Senga, which is found amongst the, the Baganda people in Uganda, you have Chisungu of the, the Bemba and the Tonga in Zambia, and Efundula of the Ovambo in, in Namibia. What I find interesting about these, these institutions is that they really took the time to, to give people orientation about how to be functional adults and functional members of society. So there was a sexuality aspect, but as I mentioned, there was also training in values, in norms, in how to be a productive member of your community. As I mentioned, we'll continue our exploration of sexuality and sexual practices from the African continent in subsequent episodes. A few things to keep in mind, however. There is much to admire, but also much to not admire about the sexual practices from the African continent. For example, amongst the variety of queer sexual practices, consent was something that uh, didn't always exist. So there were cases where people um, were engaged in practices, but not necessarily with their full consent. There is also the fact that back in the day, uh, the understanding of who was considered an adult is not the same as what we consider an adult now in, in the modern world. And that's something to keep in mind. There is also the fact that a lot of the Sexual practices included harmful practices like female circumcision. Um, many of the, the schools, uh, the training schools for, for young girls, um, even up till today, include aspects of female circumcision, which is still a hotly contested issue. So that's something to keep in mind. But also, there is the fact that um, traditional knowledge was sometimes incomplete. Or erroneous, especially when compared to the information that we have available now. So it wasn't all admirable. However, it is still something worth keeping in mind that you don't need to throw the baby out with the bath with the bathwater, especially when you consider that now uh, there is really not a whole lot of sexual education that happens in many contexts because these these systems and these structures were disrupted. So there are many young women who grow up, young women and young men who grow up learning about sexuality and sexual practices from the internet, from the media, which don't always paint a complete and holistic picture. So there is an opportunity here to create structures Based on traditional knowledge, based on indigenous practices, which provide people with a more complete picture of who they are as human beings, as sexual beings, and to do it in age-appropriate manners, um, which make sure that people are able to approach whatever they, whatever um sexual practice or whatever their ideas of sexuality, with with uh, with more comfort, with more with more peace, for lack of a better way of saying. Um, another aspect of this is the fact that what, what we're finding out is that, uh, as I've talked about before, Queerness is not something that was introduced to the African continent. There have always been queer Africans, but the unfortunate reality today is that most queer Africans, um, because of laws and um, what what obtains in their country's penal codes, are highly persecuted. So I'm hoping that I, with this video, I'm joining the chorus of people to say we need to re-examine um, the the attitude, the position that we have taken towards queer people in the African community. Because what we when we look at our history, when we look at our culture, uh, what we see is that there were cases where, of course, there were cases where being queer was not accepted. But there were just as many cases where being queer was accepted and even celebrated. I want to end this episode with some recommendations for further reading. For all episodes that I'm going to do about sexuality and sexual practices on the African continent, I'm going to be referring heavily to African Sexualities by Sylvia Tamale, as well as Boy, Wives, and Female Husbands Studies in African Homosexualities um, by Stephen Murray. Um, These are collections of essays written by African researchers and non-African researchers that really delve into what the reality is for sexual practices and um, ideas about sexuality on the African continent. The other book I would recommend is Radiance from the Waters. And this is a book about the Mende people who are found in Syria, Leone and Liberia. And I've talked about the Mende people quite a bit, um, on mythological Africans. And I recommend this book um, as a starting point because it gives really a really good overview of who the Mende people are, what they believe, as well as um, sexual practices amongst the Mende people. And um, it's a really good example of a people who have... Uh, sexual values that lean more conservative, but also were intended to preserve people's dignity. And of course, there are other examples of people on the African continent whose sexual values weren't exactly conservative, but were still geared towards um, um, preserving human dignity, which I think should be the ultimate end of any practice, sexual or otherwise. So thank you all once again for spending time with me on this episode.